Hey everybody, this is Jim. And this is Mike. Mike is with me today, and we are on show 43. Yay! Our main topic is bands that make us laugh. <laughs> and yes, we did volume one. Yes. And this is volume two. I won't go into specifics, but we lost one of them, so mm-hmm. we're basically redoing this one. Like when something's lost at sea, lost in a fire, it ain't never coming back. Yeah. Like you're on a computer, it's gone, it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have gone to the Geek Squad to yeah. retrieve it. Mm-hmm. So, Jim, uh, today we're looking at a variety of things mm-hmm. coming up. The main event is uh, bands that make us laugh. Yes. And make us think quirky bands. Yeah. And we got a lot to talk about before that. We're going to get into, we're going to start with music news, a couple stories. We got albums that are turning 50 in May. <laughs> think <laughs> what month it was. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about a couple new albums coming out and some new music TV shows. And then we're doing a top 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top 10 songs from 1983. Yeah. Now, why 83? It's kind of random. Uh, I remember what I was doing in 83, but uh, mm-hmm. it's 50 years ago, right? Yeah. Is it 50? No, it's 40. 40. <laughs> 40 years ago. No, I'm, just, I'm just, you know, wondering why you chose 83. Yeah. Before my time, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we're going to start off with some music news stories I found that I thought were interesting. First one is Owen Wilson, the actor. Do you know who Owen is? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Mr. No, no, never mind. He was in the Wedding Crashers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's been in a lot of comedies. I was thinking, I was thinking Mr. Shrew, but that's, that's, that's the wrong Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Owen Wilson. Oh, and I got new technology here, if anyone cares. I'm using my tablet. Of course, I got ads coming up here. <laughs> so, Owen Wilson. Now, first of all, Mike, did you know that the Rolling Stones, they give out lifetime passes to people? Did not know that. You know, Wait, not... so the backstage area, or you mean the concerts? Yeah, backstage. Okay. Uh, they can go to any concert they want. Wow. But I guess they don't really, if you're backstage you're not, during the concert, mm-hmm. you're not really sitting. Mm-hmm. But, and not, you know, normal people like us. Yeah, yeah. Unless the podcast gets huge, you know, mm-hmm. never know. More than 10 listeners, yeah, yeah, if we hit that. Yeah. Mick Jagger calls us up. Hey, mate. Hey, mate. Want a <laughs> lifetime bass? <laughs> sure. So anyway, Owen Wilson lost his lifetime pass. <gasps> what did he do? It says the paint star, I guess that's a new movie he's in, mm-hmm. revealed that he was once awarded a lifetime pass that allowed him to attend any Rolling Stones gig in the world. Wow. And it was only only to be rescinded after he accidentally walked on stage during <laughs> one of the legendary rock group's concerts in Argentina. You don't accidentally walk on stage. So he yeah. went on stage. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. He said, I was kind of friendly with some of the band and then my friend was really good friends with Mick Jagger. We got presented with these special laminates, kind of all access, that were good for the rest of our life. And he said it was really exciting for him because the first live show he ever attended was one from the Rolling Stones Tattoo U Tour in 1980. Wow. That night at uh, the concert, he says, I'm kind of wandering around, Mm -hmm. testing it out. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to walk over here and see if anybody stops me. Oh, what? Oh, what? (laughs) Get back here. And no one would stop me any place. 
He went. Wow. No one yelled for Owen. So he said, I ended up right at this place where I could look over and see Mick Jagger on the stage and right there. And then all of a sudden he bolts during Jumpin' Jack Flash and he comes running down. Now this is during the show. Yeah, yeah. Mick Jagger ended up sprinting directly towards him and completely flabbergasted Wilson. You don't hear that word yes, very often. The F word. So it turns out, uh, he said where I was, was kind of part of a stage. Um, yeah, he's in the way. Yeah. Yeah. He said I sort of froze, tried to be inconspicuous, <laughs> and he kind of came down and left. Someone came running over. Get out of here. Move. <laughs> You're not supposed to be here. Oh, man. He said, I didn't, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. This kind of haunted him for the rest of the evening. He said, I go to bed that night, still thinking, uh, well, gosh, that was kind of a, and here's another word you don't hear much, gnarly experience. Oh, it was gnarly, yeah. 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 I was a skater, so I know gnarly. But mm-hmm. then things only got worse. Do we have a sound effect? I think we, I think we do. Yeah, things got worse. He says, then I get a call the next morning from Mick's security team Ooh. asking, do you have that laminate? Yes, I still have it. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to come over and pick it up. And just like that, Wilson's backstage pass went goodbye. Ruby Tuesday. That's what the article yes. says. This is from e, uh, entertainmentweekly.com. Mm-hmm. This story actually just came out Mar- on March 29th. Mm-hmm. So that's my first music story. You remember that from Throw Mama from the Train, right? That was, uh, that was Danny DeVito's name, Owen. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mama would say, Owen! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> is that my soda? You drinking my soda? It's childproof. Look out. I'm just having a Coke for now, but we're going to be trying a beer okay. a little later. Yeah. A Swedish beer? We, uh, we discovered recently you have to go to a certain place to get the good beer in Sweden, just in case anyone's listening from Sweden. So when you hear this Possible. podcast, yeah. you'll have also heard, hopefully, our interview that we did today. Mm-hmm. With, with Mr. Chris Clafford. Chris Clafford. Yes. From Sweden. The Viking. Look him up. Well, actually, listen to the interview. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, look him up and listen. So now we got to, we're going to have to make this podcast a little explicit with this one. Fuck yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if anyone, any of our listeners have heard of a band called Steel Panther. Oh, I thought you were saying Steel Eye Pan. Steel Pan, Steel Panther. Yes, yeah, Steel yes. Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of like the real life Spinal Tap. Yeah. They dress like a, 80s hair metal band. Hmm. Most of their songs are raunchy mm-hmm. and not innuendo. They raunchy. tell you very descriptive. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be quoting some of this, I assume. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. A radio station called LM Radio, they are in South Africa. Mm-hmm. They ended up playing one of the glam, that's what they are, glam metal band songs. The song was Glory Hole. <laughs> so here are some of the lyrics yes uh, you're yes. the beginning there's a place in france where the naked ladies dance okay that's yeah. the beginning yeah and there's a reason that you're telling us all this because we're going to hear about it like what happened there's an event I, an event happened yeah yeah i i dare you to look up this song mm-hmm. glory, glory hall still panther but they got in kind of trouble because it was like two o'clock in the afternoon on a sunday <laughs> you know so Killer. you picture yeah you know, someone in their car. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. 
And they play uh, 70s up until now, Mm -hmm. you know, music, uh, mostly, I think, classic rock. This song comes on. It's a family-friendly station, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's about uh, a glory hole and not knowing who's on the other side and (laughs) sucking (laughs) on things. (laughs) The other side. Yeah. That's what it says in the song. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. So, like I said, no innuendo with these songs, but I I can't imagine hearing that Mm -hmm. on the radio. Yeah, there's probably legal consequences. I would say. So the radio station had to issue an apology, which they've since taken down. Mm-hmm. On behalf of LM Radio, I want to apologize unservedly for the song Glory Hole by Still Panther that was played just after 2 p.m. yesterday. This song, together with others from Still Panther, Still Pla- Panthers, they say, mm-hmm. was inadvertently backed up onto a... <laughs> backed up? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, onto our server. Oh, okay. Following the cyber attack on our systems earlier this year. Yeah, it was an attack, all right. So earlier this year, so they didn't. Maybe they played the song before and they didn't know it. Oh, you know, okay. yeah, maybe it did slip by once. So when an an hour is short scheduled, you know, songs that they plan out, the system automatically includes songs to fill the hour. Glory Hole was unfortunately the song picked by the system. We have immediately deleted all Still Panther songs from our server. So how many Still Panther songs? Are there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, other, the other seven, right, that they play normally? Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. You read this because um, it's a reference to potholes, right? That's what, they, that's what they call potholes in the highways of South Africa. Glory holes? Glory holes, yeah. Oh, okay. But, yeah, so. <laughs> so Still Panther, you know, said. Not Still Panther, that's something different. There's no that's such something thing. different, Jim. There's no such thing as bad publicity yeah they say they say we're sorry we say you're welcome yeah yeah that's good that's yep. good yeah nice have to use that in the future yeah yeah i'm sorry yeah, you're welcome so let's see what we got here so uh, uh news from south africa the white part of africa okay yeah dave matthews dave matthews was uh, i think oh, yeah. born and raised as a child in south africa yeah 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 i have a couple um new tv shows mm, that have to do with music and the first one is Daisy Jones and the Six. So this was based on a 2019 novel of the same name by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Uh, it's set in Los Angeles music scene in the late 1970s. And it's the rise and fall of a fictional rock band through a documentary-style series of interviews with the members and footage of concerts and recording sessions. So it's complete with vocals. The lead is Riley Keogh. And I don't, Mike, I don't know if you know that name. No, of course I don't. <laughs> Riley is the daughter of Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, did not even know. Yeah. Granddaughter of Elvis. She can sing, too. Mm-hmm. Sam Claff, Claflin uh, and some other guy from The Hunger Games I have here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and the bass player for Queen. Well, there's other people in that yeah. show, too. Yeah, yeah. So this premiered on March 3rd. On Amazon Prime, which I have, so you have to have Amazon Prime. It has it's ten episodes. I have something interesting though about this band because in the show they start out as if the band existed like twenty years ago, mm-hmm. not like um, what fifty years ago, because the people would have to be in their seventies. Yeah, yeah. Think about it. Yeah, yeah. And obviously the band broke up. You get that. And then it goes into the story of how Daisy became part of this other band. And, and they show an album that was like 
I don't know, sold millions, right? Mm -hmm. So they're making it like um, Spinal Tap, where it's a, an actual, a fictional band mm -hmm. that they're trying to tell you existed, which mm -hmm. really didn't. Yeah. This album, I listened to it, it's great. And it reminds me of Fleetwood Mac. Wow, that's, that's yeah. Nice. So here's an article, it's from uh, Yahoo Entertainment. Mm -hmm. The headline is, Real Fake Band Daisy Jones and the Six Releases Even More Real Fake Music. So right? who are these people is the question, yeah. Who are these musicians? They are the actors from the show. Riley's singing. I did see that Jackson Brown is on one song. So they got The Jackson people. Brown. Yeah, The Jackson yeah. Brown. That's awesome. Uh, this article mentions the A Mighty Wind, yes. which we like. Yes. About a uh, folk group mm -hmm. and the commitments, the monkeys. Monkeys started out mm -hmm. fictional band. Yeah. So is this going to be a band that actually starts touring? <laughs> Can they play the instruments? That's the question. Now, this is the amazing part because I'm all into numbers. Yes, yes. Their album, oh, I think their album's name is. Uh, Something like Aurora, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. The album is out, and it is in the number one spot on Billboard's Emerging Artist Chart. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So now they say a real band one and a half times over, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, but Yeah. So the question is, I mean, I like, I'd go see them. I'd check them out. So it's um, Daisy Jones and the Six. Mm -hmm. If you have Prime, check out the TV show, but definitely check out the album. Especially if you like classic rock. Yeah, that's classic. awesome. Uh, the singer is Riley. Is that yeah. right? And yeah. how, how do you say her last name? Keogh. Keogh. Yeah. Riley Keogh. Yeah, yeah. I can see. I'm looking at the, on the internet a little bit here while we're going. And, and it, I can see Elvis. I can see a little yeah. bit of Elvis, a little bit of Lisa mm -hmm. Marie. Yeah. The other girl in the band is Suki Waterhouse. Mm -hmm. I was going to say Suki Stackhouse because that was the character in True Blood. Mm -hmm. And I never heard the name Suki before. She was a model, and now she is also a singer, real life. Yeah. So she's the other girl in this band. Now, there's another show called Up, Up Here. Mm -hmm. It's a musical rom-com. Listeners may have heard me talk about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Right, with great uh, music. Which was canceled after, I think, two seasons. Zoe could hear songs in her head, and then it became like a flash mob. Where the people around her, whether at the office, outside, were unknowingly, or maybe she was imagining them, dancing, singing. This is a little different, but it reminds me of the show, or that show. The main character has three people as her, like, subconscious. Okay. But you can see them. Yeah. She has her two parents and a childhood friend. Wow. Two parents, like so they, not just one, you know, yeah. isn't like your mom. So the childhood friend looks like she did when she was her childhood friend, mm -hmm. telling her what she should be doing. And this is more a musical than there was one scene where people are dancing, but it's not like a flash mob thing going on. Mm -hmm. They'll just break out in song like a true musical. Now, this is on Hulu. It premiered March 23rd, so it's fairly new. The star is Mae Whitman, who was in a show that my wife and I watched, Good Girls. If you watch Flash, I haven't, I don't watch Flash, but it's the guy, Carlos Valdez. Mm -hmm. He is the uh, other main person in the show. This was written by, the show was created by a person who had, I don't have their names, but a person who had to do something with Evan Hansen, Broadway show. Okay. And also the Book of Mormon, another mm -hmm. guy, mm -hmm. and a woman who wrote the songs for Frozen, 
And Frozen, too. Yeah. So you got a good... Good songwriting team. And I have to say, some of the songs are a little hokey. But think of Broadway, Broadway show, and I like a good musical. What can I say? Mm Mm-hmm. Because I always say, it would be weird, but how great would it be if you were stuck in traffic? There's a scene in uh, La La Land, which I love. Yeah, yeah. And everybody gets out of their cars, they're dancing, they're singing. Yeah. What You know, maybe people would be a lot nicer and... Yeah, I was watching yeah. that movie and, and I thought, wait, this isn't realistic. Uh, oh, oh, it's a musical. That's right. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. La La Land is great. Looking at a picture here of uh, Mae Whitman. Mm-hmm. And um, is she older than she looks? It's uh, She looks pretty young. She's she's probably in her 30s. Yeah, yeah. 34. A good guess. She's, she's like four feet tall. Yeah. Yeah, probably four three. <laughs> but yeah, she looks like she's uh, 18. I'm not just saying that to suck up to her, you know, because she will be listening to the podcast. But yeah, she may be. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to suck up to her. Just saying, uh, you know, Jim. Just saying. <laughs> and Riley, Keong, if you're listening, I I will be meeting your grandmother soon. Mm. Priscilla. Yeah. Autograph show. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Hey, I've grandma. met Lisa Marie. Hey, grandma. Like uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, maybe if I meet Riley, it'd be the trifecta. Can't meet Elvis anymore. No, I think you have. You have met Sadly, Elvis. Sadly, Lisa Marie is, isn't here. Elvis has left the building. What's next, Jim? This is uh, something fairly new that we've been doing, and I like to do this every podcast. Let's talk about albums that are turning 50. Big five zero, Which are a little bit younger than we are. Yeah, yeah, I can say that. What I like to do is... Listen to an album on its anniversary or near it. Maybe these are albums that you aren't familiar with, uh, but give it give them a listen. Uh, they are from, of course, 1973. And these are all from May of 73. May is a good month. So the first one is um, May 17th, 1973. We got Bachman Turner Overdrive. Oh, right. Otherwise known as BTO. Mm-hmm. And it's their self-titled debut album. They're a Canadian rock band. This album was originally to be titled Brave Belt 3, following the Brave Belt 2 album made by the previous lineup of the group, which were called Brave Belt. Brave Belt. Yeah. yeah like Brave Heart, only it's yeah. just as far as the belt. So changing the name, they decided, yeah, yeah. let's just do a self title So this is, uh, was, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet on this album? I'm, I'm wondering. Maybe not. Because... Um, because I think we discussed this before, how uh, that was actually a song uh, written to mock one of the guy's brothers. Uh, you know, we talked oh, about the that. stuttering. Yeah, the, yeah. It ain't nothing, nothing yet. Yeah, it's uh, interesting, interesting uh, story to that. Uh, Don't look it up. I know. <laughs> no, this doesn't have that song on it. Oh, so we can skip that. It has Blue Collar, Give Me Your Money, Please. I don't know that song. Yeah, I don't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taking Care of Business was on the second one. So Ain't Seen Nothing Yet was... Mm-hmm. We, can, you know. we can cut all that out. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and then we have uh, May 18th, 1973. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that day? No. No, no. History of the Birds. Okay. Now, this isn't a uh, you know, studio album, but it is a chronological, it says, survey of the band's career from 65 to 71. Uh-huh. And it's a period when they were signed uh, to Columbia Records. And it begins with their single, Mr. Tambourine Man. Mm-hmm. And then the, their final single release uh, for the label was America's Great National Pastime. And David Crosby was in The Birds. Next one is, 
This one you may not know by name. Uh, Tubular Bells. I think we may have talked about this album. I somehow. think we have in the past. Yes. Mike Oldfield, uh, May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy three, and it's the debut studio album by English musician Mike Oldfield. It's mostly instrumental track. Instrumental tracks. Uh, Oldfield was nineteen years old when he recorded, and he played most of the instrument. Yeah, I can't yeah. say instrument. <laughs> instrument. Sure. He played most of the instruments. Um, yeah. This was at a time, the 70s, uh, the early mid-70s, when part of pop was instrumental music. Instrumental, wild instrumentals actually got mm-hmm. in the top 10. Yeah. I mean, right along there with Rihanna and longer, Justin Bieber is, is an instrumental. Like, imagine that. Yeah, longer songs. Yeah, oh, longer as well, yeah. More uh, guitar, a lot of guitar solos. And mm-hmm. You may recognize this if you know the movie The Exorcist. Yes. From December of 73, uh, it was the opening theme used yeah. for the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Young Drew Barrymore, is that right? The Exorcist? No, it was Linda Blair. Oh, Linda Blair. You were Same. close. Yeah, yeah. Then we have one last one. Living in a Material World, and it's not Madonna. Oh. It's George Harrison. Okay. I don't have a date on that, but it was May 73. Mm-hmm. Was, was, the, was there ever a lawsuit between the two? I mean, come on. This was before, yeah. Yeah, I'm just wondering, but I don't, I don't remember hearing about it. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, she used that line. Now I'm thinking maybe she used that line because of this album. Yeah. I, she was a Beatles fan, maybe. If any of our listeners know, mm-hmm. tell us. What would, what, would, what would Sir Paul say about Madonna? What would, <clears throat> what would be his, his comment, you think? Oh, this is Paul. <gasps> yes. Madonna, stop with the plastic surgery already. <laughs> Paul, that's kind of harsh. He just yeah. comes up with the the rudest things sometimes. I mean, he, you know, he yeah. can sing and play well, but okay. So this was George's fourth studio album, mm-hmm. uh, released by Apple Records, and this was the follow up to the 1970s critically acclaimed "All Things Must Pass." This album was certified gold, and just after two days of release, it was on its way to becoming Harrison's second number one album in the United States. It had the song Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth, and it also topped the charts in Canada, Australia, and reached number two in Britain. Yeah. This is the time of, uh, you know, in the midst of the hippie movement and peace, love, and crunchy granola, anti-Vietnam protests. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was all pretty big here, so... People were looking for that. The general public was looking for that, looking for some peace and love in their lives. So I have a couple new albums. Believe it or not, Dave Matthews Band. So we're switching to from years ago. Switch, years. Switching to, to, to new. New stuff. Yeah, okay. to now. All right. It's called Walk Around the Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12 songs. It's about 43 minutes long. It's their 10th album. 43 minutes. That's like two yeah. songs by Dave Matthews, right? Yeah, I think it's three songs. No, it's 12 <laughs> songs. Uh, and it's their first album since 2018's Come Tomorrow. You know, they were releasing stuff every year. Every That's what it felt like every yeah. other year. I was more into Dave Matthews uh, years ago. I still like Dave, but I think I burnt myself out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can burn yourself out on music. You listen to the same band. Yeah, I agree. It can happen. All mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll still listen to the Beatles, but mm-hmm. actually I try to listen to the Beatles every morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's some songs that I've heard, you know, how many times can you hear yesterday? Right. I was, yeah. I asked, I asked uh, Alexa, 
uh, this woman that lives in my living room. I asked her uh, play the Beatles. I, I think I might have told you this, Jim. And uh, she chose my least favorite, like five in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Because I love the Beatles. The Beatles, mm-hmm. great songs. I've got my top three, my top five mm-hmm. that I just, I love. But, you know, Alexa seems to somehow, she, she chose my least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Like five in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my tablet's hooked to her. Oh. And she's probably playing Beatles songs downstairs. Oh, because she there. heard that. Yeah, yes. That would be funny. Yeah. 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 But uh, I think she started, I, I was in a good mood until she started off with yes. She's playing your top yesterday. five least favorite yeah. ones, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this album, uh, Dave Matthews, is, uh, started during the COVID-19 pandemic, which, you know, it's already like three years ago. Yeah. And seven of the, seven of the 12 tracks were played live prior to the official album announcement. You know, bands do that. They'll yeah. play, uh, they'll work out and see the audience reaction. Yeah, yeah, especially Dave. I can picture him doing it. Yeah. And the song Break Free has been played going back to 2006. It says, from a studio session with Mark Batson. I don't know. I don't know is. him, no. So we got Dave Matthews. And the other one, well, one I don't have on here that I... Listened to a couple times is Depeche Mode. Yes, new album. I haven't listened to Depeche Mode in a long time mm-hmm. since Personal Jesus came mm-hmm. out. I love this album. It is like they haven't gone away. Yeah, yeah, and they're touring as well. They're 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 active. Yeah, not just in the studio. It's it's um, synthesizers and just really well done songs, really uh, appealing mm-hmm. songs on that. The other album is. A band we're going to be talking about a little later is Sparks. Sparks. A lot of our listeners, a lot of people, people on the street, yeah, don't know Sparks. People on the street. Not a common household yeah. name. So May 26th, this comes out, and it's their 25th studio album. All right, 25 studio albums, and, and listener, you don't even know who Sparks is. Yeah. Yeah, but you will soon. Yeah, you're going to check out Sparks after mm-hmm. you listen to this mm-hmm. podcast. The album, they always have interesting titles, is The Girl is Crying in Her Latte. Huh. Yeah. And there is a video with Kate Blanchett, the actress. Oh. And she's dancing in the video. Yeah, she's in a yellow suit and bright red headphones. So maybe she's huh. listening to the song yeah. While, yeah. while it's playing. So check that out. Yeah. So those are new albums um, Yeah. for now. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. I'm just a little bit distracted. Uh, you know, I got my phone on here and uh, like no matter what I do, I just get this uh, picture of Way- May Whitman <laughs> coming up. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I think she's probably a couple more than, than four foot three. But uh, yeah, yeah. So you can't go searching anything because May Whitman's going to be uh, when you go on Facebook, uh-huh. she's going to come up and Instagram. She's healthy. Yeah. She looks healthy. I just want to say that. going to do our top 10 songs from 1983 this encompasses the whole year or did you have something else no it's a big year it's a a big year 1983 um i know that you know jim probably uh was still in diapers or something but Mm -hmm. but uh but i remember the year i was a junior in high school and uh a big year for parties 
a big year for learning about big year for learning about alternative music from our friend, our dear friend Al, who resides not far away. So close, yet so far away. Yeah, it's a big year, 83, for new music at the time. Yeah, we were um, 16, 17. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Having parties. Yeah. So a lot of these... <laughs> a lot of these... <laughs> Don't do this at home, kids! <laughs> yeah. Punching holes in walls. Yeah, somebody... Yeah. yeah. We Someday can, we'll tell our yeah, party. We can stuff. fix the walls, we can't fix the roof, right? Yeah, I, I think that was... was the floor. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a roof. Uh, the roof was a different part. We'll bring yeah. our other friend in here sometime and he can... He can explain all that. Yeah. 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 All right. So we have a, a top 10 list. And where, Jim, where does that come from? Uh, did you make this list up? Is it your favorite? This from- is a reader's poll mm-hmm. from... Uh, this is a website that everyone should check out if you like, especially if you like 80s music. And uh, we're not talking Bon Jovi. It's called Slicing Up Eyeballs. Yes, yes. And this poll I was from remember. 2018. So they did a poll. What are your top 10 songs from 1983? Yeah, yeah. So the entire year. So slicing up eyeballs would be, uh, especially someone uh, five decades in, uh, this would be like the alternative and the, the good music from the 80s, uh, not Bond, John Bobby. Yeah, they have uh, interesting articles on there. I don't know if they interview people, but it, it's all like, it's all 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Very all cool. the time. Very cool. So, Jim, you're going to uh, take the first half. So, you're taking the first half, yeah. No, I was taking the second half. You've got... Yeah, the... but we're going bottom to top. Oh, we're doing bottom to top. Yeah, we do 10. Oh, well, that would be the second half first. All right. Yeah. All right. So, we're going to go from 10 to 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not very big yeah. on lists. So, um, uh, starting off, uh, New Orders, Age of Consent. Uh, so, uh, I had... Along with my Violent Femmes poster, I had a New Order poster. You know, the full size, the 20 by 30 or 26 by... 36. 24 by 36. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. there it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Age of Consent. Uh, As we start this, Jim, uh, I want the listeners to try to recognize two themes. There's two themes. It's going to be kind of obvious in the whole 10. It's just, there's there's a common theme. Okay. So, uh, Age of Consent, I have, I have lyrics... Uh, to that song and uh, words like uh, and I'm not the kind that likes to tell you just what I want to do I'm not the kind that needs to tell you just what you want me to Mm -hmm. so I'm sure that made all sense Uh, I'm sure you totally understand that you know so I just want to throw that out but uh, yeah a lot of rhythm saw saw new new order saw them along with uh, one song of the sugar cubes and somebody else. I don't remember, but we, yeah, I was there. Yeah, I went down to the Man Music Center, I believe, in Philly. Well, there was there was two shows, so I, I always get them mixed up. Mm-hmm. There were two shows at three different bands. Right. So the New Order one, if it was Sugar Cubes, New Order, and it could have been uh, Public Image Limited. Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. Because the other one I saw was Gene Loves Jezebel, Echo and the Bunny Men. Oh, I was there with with that one and, too. And. I forget uh, the other yeah. band. We got there late, and so uh, Bork is there yelling, cat, cat, cat. Yeah, cat, cat, cat. The cat. worst. <laughs> if you don't know who the Sugar Cubes are, Bjork, yeah. the singer, came yeah. from that band. Mm-hmm. And I I liked odd stuff. I liked yeah, odd it's, all, it's great stuff. And, yeah. But Cat, Cat is like their oddest song. Cat, I can't cat, even cat. believe they were did that live. Cat, and that's the one song that we got to. Cat, cat, cat. Yeah, it's just her saying cat, 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 cat. over and over. Yeah. Yeah, so a uh, new order. But do you remember what was uh, 
the stage was very dark and you could tell there was some boxes and maybe instruments and maybe humans up on the stage. Mm -hmm. New Order's set was done with almost no lights. Yeah. It was just, it was so dark. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh. I don't remember much from that. Yeah. But I thought, ah, oh, they probably have like a lot of this recorded and they're just kind of, you know, singing yeah, and, pre, you know, pre a lot of it was pre-programmed. Yeah. And they're standing at the keyboard making yeah, like they're yeah. playing something. So that's Age of Consent, mm -hmm. New Order. So uh, let's go to number nine. Number nine. Number nine. We have one of your faves uh, on this whole list is David Bowie's Let's Dance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Let's Dance. Uh, it's just once, you know, if, if you're at a party, if you're at what we would be under 21 nightclub, when that comes on, mm -hmm. you're out on the dance floor because David himself is saying, get out on the dance floor. Yeah. 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 Great, great tune. That great album, tune. Uh, uh, Modern, Modern Love, mm -hmm. China Girl. Yeah. And Full Rich Produced. I won't go into the whole story, but I was in the hospital and I needed, I was going to be there, I thought, for a little while. Mm -hmm. And I asked my parents to go buy me that. It was a cassette. Oh, and I moving had, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I had my great. little boom box and that's what I listened to in the hospital. And yeah, not a great time, but, you know, not mm -hmm. great memory, but some memories, you know, you can go back and still think yeah. about some of the the outcomes or I won't go into, I probably told people before what mm -hmm. it was, but that's okay. But our new listeners haven't heard it. Question for the listeners. Uh, Jim, don't answer just mm -hmm. in case you know. What instruments is David Bowie playing on Let's Dance? And another question, uh, very similar is what instruments does David Bowie play on that album? Mm -hmm. And uh, do you know the answer? I'm going to give you the answer. Okay. It's none. So he okay. chose to just be free, mm -hmm. him and the microphone, the yeah. and dance around. Mm -hmm. He was able, yeah. he's free of of all the technology, all the all the all the instruments, yeah. and was able to just dance about. And uh, hence, let's dance. Uh, number eight is the Talking Heads burning down the house. <laughs> yeah, you were singing that earlier. Yes, I was. Uh, some lyrics. Some lyrics from. Uh, from burning down the house. Uh, my house is out of the ordinary. That's right. Don't want to hurt nobody. Some things sure can sweep me off my feet burning down the house. <laughs> so David Byrne, we love him. Who doesn't love mm -hmm. David Byrne? I've never, never met a David Byrne hater. Yeah. You know, there, uh, there's songs that reference him. Uh, Crash Test Dummies song references um, about going out with artists. Some of you listeners might know that. The, one of the most played songs... Mm -hmm. Possibly overplayed, but but not quite. But well, one of the, you know. well, I'd say up there with uh, Psycho Killer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a lot of great tunes. Uh, I've always been a big Talking Heads fan and was in 83 as well. Talking Heads, Burning Down the House. Did you see the video with David Byrne recently? I don't know if I sent it to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, Is that the dry cleaner? Yes, yes. And he's picking up something yeah. that he left there a long time ago. Yeah. And the, it's the big suit. It's the big suit, yeah. yeah. When, it, when he first showed into the screen, I thought it was uh, David Byrne's grandfather or father. But yeah, yeah. it was, it was David Byrne. white Byrne's. hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a great video. Check that out. And that is, should have been on Music News, that mm -hmm. is a trailer. That video is a trailer for Stop Making Sense, the movie... How many years ago? Yeah, they're re-releasing it. Is it 40? Be 40, I think. Yeah, it might have been the 80s. It might have been the late 70s. I don't know. No. Okay. I think it'd be... Yeah. You Talking Head fans would know. Number seven. Mm-hmm. 
we have The Cure with the Love Cats. <laughs> not, <laughs> now, as, not as bad as Cat Cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not like Cat Cat Cat. Love Cats. Yeah, The Cure. Uh, you and I both love The Cure. And our friend, Steve. Steve, a, you know, when I think of The Cure mm-hmm. in Depeche Mode, I think of Steve. You yeah. Know? Uh, Steve, if you're listening, shout out to you. Yeah, he was a, he, he got me into uh, Depeche Mode and The mm-hmm. Cure. I don't know how I got into it. But um, what we have is uh, Love Cats and love a, lot of, love a lot of Cure songs, love a lot of albums. This was never one that I listened to that much, but just listening to it this week... You know, it's, it's, uh, it meant something to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a very upbeat song. It's not, uh, it's not down or, or low. Uh, it's very upbeat. So, I don't think they broke out until Why Can't I Be You? Yeah. The album, what was it? Kiss Kiss? Something like that. Right. Uh, well, you've kiss got. Kiss Me, Kiss you, Me, something like that. Yeah. Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. And you've yeah. got uh, Friday, I'm in Love With You. I still hear it in a grocery yeah. store. Oh yeah. 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 And I thought there was one more right in there, but mm-hmm. Friday, I'm in love with you. I'm thinking 93 on and that one. And The Cure is thinking... doing a tour this year. Robert Smith looks the older, but he has the same hair mm-hmm. and lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what they say about putting lipstick on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm wondering if our listeners get any theme yet. Uh, maybe not. Maybe so. Understanding the lyrics and... Uh, We'll go on with these, looking for these two themes with this top 10. Jim, I think we're at, uh, no, I'm at, I'm at number six. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Half of, half of 10 uh, yeah. would be 10 through six. <laughs> okay. When you think of The Cure and Depeche Mode, you also think of Echo and the Bunnymen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Do you know that I remember, this goes way back, when we were into rock and roll and rock and roll only, and we were about 16. I remember going to Lane Co. with you, and we were looking through, we were looking for, uh, you were looking for Kiss, you know, and I was looking to see if there was a, you know, waiting eight years for the next Boston album and that kind of stuff. I remember seeing Echo and the Bunnymen, it was a pin, remember when pins were popular? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember seeing Echo and the Bunnymen and laughing at their name and thinking how silly it was, and I didn't know who they were. And I ended up, uh, I ended up liking them just a year later. It's mm-hmm. kind of weird. A lot of the new wave coming uh, at me and changing from the hard rock, the Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and mm-hmm. Aerosmith and Van Halen, over to the new to new wave. It was in that time. It was right or probably around, uh, probably around sixteen. And uh, Echo and the Bunnymen was one of those uh, bands that uh, I made fun of their name. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I didn't get into. The Cure and Depeche Mode, it was the late 80s, mm-hmm. so it would have been in my early 20s, mm-hmm. and uh, Echo and the Bunnymen, I, I don't know, well, it would have been, 80, what what song was that? This is The Cutter. The Cutter, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's a great tune. It's great musically, yeah. Uh, I tried to make sense of the lyrics, don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, I love it musically, yeah. So I don't think I discovered, what I'm trying to say is like mm-hmm. 87, 88, mm-hmm. I discovered Echo and the Bunnymen. Mm-hmm. So even with the cure, uh, you know, Love Cats, yeah. I didn't hear that love song cats. until I started getting into the cure and then listening or buying the earlier albums. Yeah, yeah. Because they yeah. weren't, these songs uh, were not, they weren't mostly played on radio. Yeah, yeah. So that's why we like doing this list because... This is what we consider 80s. Yeah. Not the top 40 80s. Yeah, yeah. It's college radio. Yeah. You know, yeah. college radio was really 
kicking it full mm-hmm. full force yeah. in 83, 84. Yeah. Any uh, college radio station. No, I was surprised. I could not find at the college radio list. I don't there. You think everything's on the internet. If any of our listeners know where we can access. Yeah. These Very college college radio lists. Back when we were reading Rolling Stone. Yeah. And Spin. We'd have to buy some old Right. It, on Stones. the back page, second to last page, mm-hmm. uh, there would be the top 10 pop, top 10 overall or rock, and down mm-hmm. the bottom would be the top 10 college yeah. radio lists. We're going to have to look for some yeah. old issues, yeah. and then we can, then we can get yeah. those lists. On paper. Yeah. So number five, we have R.E.M., who... I was really into, and again, probably another band I didn't get into till the late 80s. Radio Free Europe mm-hmm. is number five. Mm-hmm. It's their debut single. I did not know that. Radio Free, Radio Free Europe yeah. was. Released wow. in, ni- now this is the thing, it was released in 1981, and it was on the short-lived independent record label Hibtone. Never heard of Hibtone. The single received critical acclaim. Its success earned the band a record deal with IRS Records. Mm-hmm. So R.E.M. re-recorded the song for their 1983 d- debut album, Murmur. Murmur. I'm sure you might be able to find the original Murmur. song. Murmur. Murmur. And the re-recording for IRS be- became the group's first charting single, of course, uh, peaking at only number 78 on Billboard Hot 100. But the song ranked number 389 in Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. Wow. Which I'm surprised because, I mean, you know, I'm just a little surprised. The R.E.M. songs that we were listening to, it wasn't exactly this one. This wasn't, yeah. you know, the top three. I have, I have lyrics from Radio <laughs> Free Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you listeners to, and Jim to, to just take this in, the, the philosophical, to, to the deep understanding, the, the, the life-changing words. Keep me out of country in a word. Dear, the porch is leading us absurd. Push that, push that, push that to the pool. That, this isn't nothing at all. And, and hence one of the themes, uh, I'm going to give away one of the themes now. And of, of this whole top 10 list, and then at the end, I'm going to give away the other thing. They're uh, silly lyrics. They're, they're, yeah, possibly silly. They're lyrics that you just... You just can't, you can't get it now. Does I, always, it... I always thought um, Duran Duran was the band that just mm-hmm. wrote, like, you couldn't tell what they were trying to say. Right, right. They just threw, they just picked out words randomly. Right. And made a sentence. Yeah. Now, I do have a little bit on this. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Michael Stipe's lyrics are hard to discern. This is from Wikipedia. Yeah. And largely serve to give the singer something to vocalize with. So, when first developing mm-hmm. the original song. Yeah. Stipe intentionally did not want the lyrics to be understood. He said he hadn't written any of the words yet. When the song was played live, Stipe improvised his own set of lyrics halfway through the song. And in a 1988 New Music Express interview, Stipe denied the interviewer's claim that his lyrics on Murmur were indecipherable. Push that, push that, push that. So he denied that they were indecipherable, yeah. but acknowledged that Radio Free Europe was one of the few exceptions, describing it as complete babbling. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is, that is uh, proving the point. So one theme you see through here, I'm talking uh, New Order, The Talking Heads, The Cure, others, 
that you're going to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, the lyrics are just mind blowing. So why did we like it? Why were we listening to it? Mm-hmm. The music, it was fresh. It was rhythmically interesting. Yeah. Uh, the guitar, it, the, 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 the grinding guitar, the, the synth that, that just, uh, yeah, made us feel good. They weren't ballads. They weren't pop songs. They weren't about mm-hmm. a r- love or something that... You, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just the feel too. Mm-hmm. The music, mm-hmm. cutting edge. You didn't, you, you, this is the, the lyrics mm-hmm. that I read. I mean, they're cutting edge because yeah. you don't know what they are. Yeah, <laughs> and it just flowed somehow. Somehow, and the music was interesting mm-hmm. too. You didn't maybe you didn't care what they were saying, right? Which is a lot different than earlier when we were younger, where you would buy an album, an actual album, vinyl, mm-hmm. and you would lay on your bed or lay on the floor you put the album and you mm-hmm. read along with the lyrics yeah and this came along this was still this was this was new this was some sort of new wave still exciting yeah you know yeah we're but up to number four here. number four we got you too mm-hmm. new cool. year's day mm-hmm. now i do play this song it's the first song of every new year's oh okay. that i play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did find a new song. I did play this, but then I there's a band which uh, we didn't talk about in our interview, uh, but they are a Swedish band called First Aid Kit. Uh, they actually are on one of Pink's songs on her album. Wow. So anyway, uh, they have a song called New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. That's what I was getting at. So I found that song, and that's how I found the band uh, after New Year's this year. Mm-hmm. Discovered that band. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most overplayed yeah, we both, we both love you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not one of my favorites, right. I'd say. Like if I would ask that woman in, that lives and stands alone in my living room, start, name starts with an A, if I'd ask her, she would probably play this and then I will follow and then yeah. where the streets and, you know, yeah. she would probably hit those. This is a song, if you don't really know a band, you just maybe you only have heard a couple of songs and, oh, I don't like you too. Mm-hmm. thinking they only have two hit songs that's like cheap trick mm-hmm. maybe they didn't have a lot of hit songs but even for fans like us this is not one like we like we just said it's not one of our our favorites yeah a little i, I even think when this came out this wasn't one of my favorites on the album right, right. you know jim i was invited uh, at age 16 uh almost ready to drive my car uh my co-worker invited me he said hey let's Check out this band. So we were, we, we, he turned me on to you too in this album, which is War, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And invited me to go get tickets. And I said, ah, no, I don't know them. And, you know, I, I should have gone because I didn't see you two then. So the Unforgettable Fire, but I almost could have made it to uh, see you too. And uh, they yeah. were still doing, uh, you know, of course, still doing, um, theaters and not stadiums um but i missed it <laughs> mm-hmm. one of one of those regrets i was 16 and yeah and working at the gas station and uh, uh bruce said let's do it and he later took me to my first concert but uh, it wasn't you too my first major label concert so this was the band's first uk single mm-hmm. peaking at number 10 it was also their first international hit reaching number nine in norway number 11 on the dutch top 40 and number 53 on Billboard Hot 100 in the United States. So this was before U2 broke out. Mm-hmm. I'd say their breakout was Joshua Tree. Right, right. Um, Unforgettable Fire after that just had a, you know, a little bit of play, just mm-hmm. not, not too much more, but a little bit more than the War album. Yeah. So the lyric uh, had its origins in a love song from Bono to his wife. 
Alley. But it was sub I'm going to say this word. Alley. But it was reshaped and inspired by the Polish Solidarity Movement. Mm-hmm. The bass line stemmed from bassist Adam Clayton trying to figure out the chords to the Visage song Fade to Gray during a sound check. Didn't know that. Yeah. So that was number four. Yes. Number three, The Smiths. A band I also love. love. Yeah. Yes. This Charming Man. Now the lyrics uh, comprise a first-person narrative in which the male protagonist punctures one of his bicycle tires. Yes. On a remote hillside. Yeah, and you're picturing Morrissey in a remote hillside. Yeah. With a dead bicycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Morrissey was the lead singer of the Smiths. If you don't know who Morrissey... Look yeah. it up. Look it up. So, a passing charming man. He's in a luxury car. Can you imagine? Smooth Stops to that. offer the cyclist a lift. Mm-hmm. And although the protagonist is at first hesitant, after much deliberation, he accepts the offer. Mm-hmm. While driving together, the pair flirt, although the protagonist finds it difficult to overcome his reluctance. Mm-hmm. Says, I would go out tonight, but I haven't got a stitch to wear. And the motorist tells the cyclist, it's gruesome that someone so handsome should care. Wow. Yeah. That's it's poetic. That is poetic. It's gruesome that someone so handsome should care. Yeah. I like that. Whenever I get the chance, I like to mention... Either Noel Gallagher or Liam Gallagher, because they have such great, when they're interviewed, mm-hmm. right? So Noel Gallagher described the first time he heard the track. He said, the second I heard The Charming Man, everything made sense. The sound of that guitar intro was incredible. Mm-hmm. It's very upbeat. It's, it's the, yeah. the, 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 the tempo is, is up, too, yeah. Mm-hmm. The lyrics are fucking, fucking amazing, mm-hmm. too. People say Morrissey's a miserable cunt, but I knew straight away... What he was all about. Yeah, yeah. Right, See, they, that, that song does, it, it does explain a lot. Yeah. yeah. But the Gallagher brought that great quote, mm-hmm. quoting people. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Smith's, uh, a song all off on its own, How Soon Is Now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I would listen to it repeatedly when I was at tech school after. Mine after was um, Girlfriend in a Coma. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hang the DJ, hang the DJ, hang the DJ. I gotta, I gotta go back to... Yeah, yeah. I had that uh, Louder Than Bombs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did too. Yeah. Morrissey's uh, first or second solo album, uh, I listened to that repeatedly as well, and that mm-hmm. was... Um, Every Day is Sunday. Yeah, yeah, which is not the best album on... The best song on the album. But yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Break Up the Family. It's, yeah. it's a great tune. Check it out, uh, Morrissey, if you haven't. Mm-hmm. Number two, we got Depeche Mode. Everything counts. Now, I didn't think I knew this song, but I, I do know it. It talks about grabbing hands. Album's uh, Construction Time Again. It was their third album. Industrial Construction Time Again. So the single introduced the transition in lyrical content for the group. Because Everything Counts specifically addresses the issue of corporate greed and corruption in Britain. As the chorus sings grabbing hands, grab all they can. Mm -hmm. Everything counts in large amounts. (laughs) And surprisingly, the single was released at a time when the band itself was under a formal contract with Mute Records. In addition to found sounds, such as samples, Mm -hmm. the single also samples a variety of musical instruments, such as the xylophone, and I don't know if you know what a melodica is. Melodica... I didn't know this had a name. Hmm. It's that handheld keyboard 
and you blow into it. Oh, that's a melodica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Size of a flute, like you're playing a flute. Only it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, it's a keyboard. My dad had one, and uh, I wish I knew where it was. My dad played the melodica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he never said the word melodica. I don't think. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, it was plastic. So we have another um, new order song. Is this number one? Yeah. Okay. Blue Monday. Yeah. And if you don't know by name, I'm sure when you hear it, mm-hmm. it's played probably in commercials all over the place. Now, they wrote this song in their rehearsal room in mm-hmm. Cheatham Hill, Manchester. And the synth bass line was performed on a Moog. <laughs> it's Moog, remember? Moog, okay. Yeah, yeah. We... Moog, Source, and sequenced on a sequen- sequencer built by the singer, Bernard Sumner. Huh. This gets a little technical, but mm-hmm. uh, a... Oberheim DMX drum machine was used for rhythm. The kick drum was recorded playing through a studio monitor to capture the room's natural reverb. Cool. Now, New Order bought an early sampler, the Emulator One, and they sampled choir sounds from... (laughs) And they sampled choir sounds from Kraftwerk's Uranium. Craftwork? Yeah. They sampled Craftwork for yeah. this. Unbelievable. Now, you'll like this, Mike. Uh, mm-hmm. Sumner and the drummer, Stephen Morris, learned how to use the sampler, you know, mm-hmm. trying it out, mm-hmm. by spending hours recording their flatulence. That's what it says on Wikipedia. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. And I'm really glad that didn't make it into the song. <laughs> <laughs> we have an offense. <laughs> It must be the other one. You know, I'm looking for the flatulence. There it is. So, very... I I didn't learn that before. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, those who know New Order a little bit will know the the, uh, brief version of what you just described, and that Mm -hmm. is that that this song was created on the drum machine just practicing. That's the the quick uh, five words, but you described it very well to how they're uh, they're buying the machines, the sampling, Mm -hmm. and the flatulence. Maybe when, if they re- release an anniversary album, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll put, you know, extra tracks. They'll have the flatulence mix yeah. on there. And I like your yeah. use of the word release. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so lyrics, lyrics here from, mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Blue Monday. And uh, how does it feel to treat me like you do when you laid your hands upon me and told me who you are? Thought I was mistaken. I thought I heard your words. Tell me, how do I feel? Tell me, how do I feel? Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. So and we never find out. No, we, we never know. By the way, uh, Bernard Sumner, it's uh, same last name, same surname mm-hmm. as Sting. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon Sumner. Mm-hmm. So we don't know many Sumners, you know? I don't think they're brothers. Yeah. So the themes, Jim, the themes, one of the themes is the the myst- mysterious uh, lyrics, the eponymous lyrics mm-hmm. uh but we really we can't make sense of them you know talking heads great example new order great example so everybody you know? has their own interpretation yeah of yeah what the song might mean and we didn't care you know i didn't mm-hmm. care i was trying to figure out what david Byrne was saying and um mm-hmm. i told him to stop making sense <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so so the other theme jim the other theme that goes along with all these that i saw 
no songs like yesterday on it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're very upbeat. Uh, you know, if you're if you're at a nightclub, if you're at yeah, a party, dancey. you you can't not you can't not move when Blue Monday comes on. You're gonna mm-hmm. start bopping. You know, you're gonna start moving. It's just like wow. Listen to that drum machine. Listen to that. You know, because mm-hmm. it's rapid bass. You know, it's real. It's yeah. rapid bass. And like, yeah. when do you hear that? So uh, so that's the two themes. One, I don't know if people were dancing a charming man. Yeah. yeah. It's but it's upbeat, yeah. you know. It's you know, it's 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 very it's very quick. <laughs> yeah. But maybe they were doing other things than dancing. Maybe. Okay, so that very good. Does it for this portion of the show and we're going to take a little break and when we come back, bands that make us <laughs> <laughs> laugh and think. Yes. The quirky, the weird. The quirky weirdy. The oblique. The eponymous. The eponymous. May the eponymous be upon us. Jim, it's good to be back. Yeah, we are back. Yes. Taking a little break there, a little breather. And we're talking about bands that make us laugh. <laughs> Quirky bands. We don't laugh like that. Yeah. No, but, you know, we're trying to get something. Where is that? Uh, yeah. We're going to be talking about some in depth and, you know, what it is about them. Yeah, I have two bands mm-hmm. and uh, Mike has one. Mm-hmm. And just want to uh, name some honorable mentions just so mm-hmm. people know you know, what kind of stuff we're talking about. Okay. Uh, Violent Femmes, Crash Test Dummies, Alice Cooper, The Sugar Cubes, Incubus, mm-hmm. Gomez, bands like that. Bands that are, that mm-hmm. are they're, they're funny and philosophical. Like they can be making you think. Yeah. Things that make you go, hmm. And maybe, maybe it's intentional. <laughs> maybe it's not. Yeah. True. True. Like you mentioned Alice Cooper. There are some songs that are freaking hilarious. Yeah. And maybe he thought it was kind of quirky writing the song or the lyrics. I'm trying to think of the one song. I think it's something like I'm an American. Proud to be an American. He's like, I I don't have a car because I don't have a job. I don't have a girl because I don't have a car Hmm. or something like that. You see where that's going. Yeah. Yeah. But it's pretty funny. It goes back down to money. So my first band is the Presidents of the United States of America. Which, so it's a long title. Yeah, I think it's one of the longest band names yeah. in the history of bands. Mm-hmm. We had the pleasure of interviewing the lead singer. Oh, he was Very good. charming fellow, Chris Ballou. They are from Seattle. Now, the group broke up first time in late 97 because Chris wanted a solo career. They then officially disbanded in 2015. We did ask Chris about if they were going to reunite. He stated, I think, about some hearing yeah, problems, he, or he just didn't want to do that. He had various reasons for that. Yeah, he's uh, continuing uh, down a different road, uh, you know, without the pres- rest of the yeah. presidents. Yeah. So the band was formed in 93 by Chris Ballou. He actually plays bass guitar. At one point, I thought he played, you know, lead guitar. Mm-hmm. 
and of course vocals. We've got Dave Dederer, Dederer, guitar and backing vocals. And uh, we don't know who the drummer is. <laughs> Jason Finn. There we go. Now, their rise to fame came in 94 to 98. The band signed with the independent Seattle label Pop Llama Records, and they released their first, uh, their self-titled debut. Uh, Columbia Records signed the band shortly thereafter and re-released the album, their, I guess their first album, in July 95. Now, you may have heard of them. Uh, song Lump. Lump. Was all over what, you know, was MTV. Mm -hmm. uh, Peaches and Kitty. Kitty! And their debut album was certified triple platinum. They had a follow-up album uh, named Two. Oh, the that's, that's, ori that's original. Yeah, but it didn't match the commercial success from their debut. They've also been on uh, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, David Letterman, and we talked to Chris about Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they he, turned it down. He, he was invited. They were invited, excuse mm -hmm. me. Yeah, to be on SNL, and didn't happen because he was busy. He was about to get married. <laughs> and I think he said they offered to have them married on the show, which he <laughs> turned down. You would have gone for that, right, Jen? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Let's cancel the venue, maybe get your money back, and, and get married on live TV. Yeah, but maybe your fiancé, you know, if first wedding, yeah. maybe for her... Uh, she wants a big wedding. She likely she doesn't. She likely had it planned. Yeah, you know, so. she didn't care about TV mm -hmm. being on TV or anything like yeah. that. So their final album was Pure Frosting, and that was released in 1998. And that album featured two songs that had previously been used in a movie and as a television show theme. They did a cover of Video Killed the Radio Star, which I don't know if most people know that was the first video MTV ever. Uh, yeah, had yeah. shown it was included on the soundtrack for the wedding singer and cleveland rocks if you watch the drew carey show it was original song by ian hunter and it became the tv show's theme song yeah yeah that was really fitting for drew carey show yeah, yeah. they reformed uh in 2000 disbanded again in 2003 and then uh chris embarked on a another career but it was in music yes wait for it he became a children's artist under the name Casper Baby Pants. <laughs> yes. Casper Baby Pants. Maybe uh, some of you fathers or mothers have played Casper Baby Pants. Maybe. Baby Pants. And those Baby. songs are just as good as the president's songs. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think of the president of the United States uh, as you can kind of compare them to Cake, even maybe Primus. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Yeah, cake, very, very relative mm -hmm. to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say the tongue-in-cheek song. They're just, uh, I wouldn't even say odd lyrics, but just they're lyrics that make you think and maybe make you laugh. Like Lump. Mm -hmm. Lump is in my head. You know, is that... <laughs> right. After listening to that, you know, going back and listening to it again, mm -hmm. and we didn't get to ask Chris about this, but is it about a brain tumor? Yeah, or yeah. Is it something more serious and he just made it into something quirky yeah 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 mm -hmm. so then the band reformed in 2004 and they performed and recorded off and on until 2015 in november of 2016 uh chris stated that the band had dissolved sometime in the summer of 2015 they yes. wanted to move on calling themselves old people now wow yeah <laughs> and i always think about as you get older and you're in a band 
like I think of the Stones, right? Uh, Mick Jagger being 80. <sighs> Can't believe it. It's being, so, that band being so rich yeah. with money, maybe they have a little bit more comfort. Even the bus, it, like then a band traveling in a van yeah. from place to place. Mm-hmm. And maybe not staying in as nice a hotels. You know, Mick Jagger could check in the hotel. He's got his private trainer with him. Wow, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta just, stay in shape. I'm just thinking, because I know he's a private trainer. Mm-hmm. He's got a, maybe a private chef with him, right? Mm-hmm. But he also maybe gets a massage. Maybe makes it a little bit more tolerable mm-hmm. to tour. Mm-hmm. But it's still amazing, 80 years old, still jumping around. Yeah. Jumping Jack Flash. Yeah. Like I said, in 2016, Chris said they were old people. Uh, that was, what, seven years ago. Chris was probably, Chris is probably, I think he's a little younger than us, so he would have been in his 40s. Mm-hmm. You know? right, so, right. This band, uh, besides being described as alternative rock, they've been described as post-grunge. Huh. Although they have been fairly consistently labeled as grunge by the media, the New York Times at the time of their debut in 1995, considered them an antidote to the misery and self-absorption of grunge. I was in the Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots. I don't think there were any, like, happy grunge songs. Yeah. I mean, maybe there were. Yeah. But it was mostly depressing Yeah, no, ap- no apologies. You know, it's, it's not happy-go-lucky yeah. there. They had six albums in 19 years. 19 years they did that. Their last album was 2014. Kudos to you. I like them, and I, I just recently, because of our interview, I listened to a lot of They Might... Uh, they, might <laughs> I listened, they, they Might Be Presidents. <laughs> I listened to a lot of President songs, and I found new ones that uh, I might not have heard before that I really like. But I noticed uh, that the songs somewhat cover animals and bugs, like Kitty, Bo Weevil... I love Kitty. Yeah. Kitty at my feet. Bug City. Slow, slow fly. Gotta listen to that one. And it is what it sounds like. It's about a fly. Mm-hmm. You know, when winter yeah. comes, yeah, they get yeah. slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ladybug. There's another bug song. Uh, Women, Stranger, Jennifer's Jacket, She's a Nurse, and Caroline's Booty. What? With the line... Something about her curves did something to my... (laughs) So check that out. Jim, that's very interesting. If you you hear sirens in the background, you know, nothing's going on here. We have the window open. No, that's your effects machine. That played at a low volume. Yeah. So, Kitty. Kitty at my feet. Mm -hmm. How's it go? Kitty at my feet. I want to pick them up. (laughs) What is it? Yeah, it's about a cat. No, but do you remember how it goes? Is it? No. Kitty at my feet and I want to pick him up. Repeat. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I like that. I like, I'm a cat person. You want to look up the lyrics? No, it's all right. Okay. And then I we th- have... I think I got it. And then we have Cars, uh, Mach 5, Crown Victoria, Dune Buggy. And... <laughs> Did you just say Crown Victoria, Dune Buggy? That's two separate songs. Oh, okay. Because yeah. that would be good as one, actually. But I'm asking, who doesn't like a good song about a car? Hmm? I have some favorite songs here, and Crown Victoria, great opening line to the song, and you stuck your chassis in the traffic flow. It's about a car, this is what I gather, that he rents at the airport. He just loves the car, doesn't want to hand in the keys. Mm -hmm. So this is an old car. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a lot of money to rent a car. 
he thinks it might be a police car. Right. For those who don't know, the Crown Vic, the yeah. Crown Victoria is the quintessential cop car of probably the 80s and 90s. You know, they're, they're onto something different now. They went through Mustangs and Broncos, but... Um, or Even the 70s. Yeah, yeah. The Blues Brothers. Okay. I'm pretty sure so that was the 70s and Victoria. 80s Crown Vic, yeah. So that's what they're writing about, but he's got a, a cop car that... Uh, that and he alludes to the police car with the lyrics, used to crumble donuts on your seats, policemen like to eat and lick their fingers. I know that doesn't rhyme. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. doesn't have to. And then uh, Stranger, that's a song about a... Uh, a couple women, two girls. Mm-hmm. First girl's Carla. She's a stripper. Okay. Lyric goes, you seem cool for a naked chick in a booth. Let's be pals someday. Yeah. Yeah. Who would come up with that? Who would come up with <laughs> let's be pals someday? This is probably one of my favorite songs. Um, other girl is a redhead. No name. She's behind a counter. And I think she's at a dry, I don't know, has her dry cleaning with her. Mm-hmm. This kind of reminded me of Marcy Playground yeah. song. Next song, Some Postman. And it's about this guy sending love letters uh, to a girl. And the mailman is um, intercepting them and reading them. It's oh, cool. I don't know if they're... I take it they're getting eventually to the girl. But oh, maybe, reading him, packing back up and deliver him. Yeah, yeah maybe... I'm thinking he put some little hearts or something, and mm-hmm. the mailman was like, ooh, what's, you know, and you're not supposed to, of course, open the mail. A package with it's a, a federal heart. offense. Mm-hmm. You know, once you read one, then he sees another, you know, sees another and needs to know what's going on in their relationship for yeah. some reason. Next one is Jennifer's jacket, and it's about a girl who owns a ratty jacket. Maybe it's her favorite. Maybe she's homeless. Yeah, that's you know? all she has. It's left for interpretation. And, of course, I mentioned before, slow, slow fly. Mm -hmm. It's about life of a fly and how when the colder months come, the average house fly slows down. Now, I have a little bit on a house fly here. little info. Yeah. Adult house flies are affected by temperature as much as their young ones, becoming inactive when temperatures fall below 45 degrees and dying when they fall below 32. Death at freezing. Because houseflies thrive in hot environments and die off in colder ones, they are generally a summertime pest, of course, rather than an autumn or winter one. Yeah, hmm. you don't see flies. That's why you don't see flies in the winter, especially yeah. when it's uh, freezing and below. Yeah. So there's a little uh, fun fact. Yes, for you. a fun fact. So check out Presidents of the United States of America. Yeah, you know, Jim, I'm, I'm just checking out the lyrics to Kitty. Okay. Um, they're explicit. Mm-hmm. Explicit kitty. Little bag of bones been out all night. It's it's a uh, one's petting and loving. It's rain soaked. I don't know where. I don't know why this is explicit. Explicit. It's a kitty at my foot, and I want to touch it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think I did get that right. You know, we're not talking still panther here. <laughs> then, then you know things would be sticking in things and stuff. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Uh, kitty rear end up and scratching through my jeans. <laughs> Okay. No. Oh, oh yeah, the ca- cats do that. Oh, okay. When you pet, when you scratch their back, yeah, they do. Butt, they butts yeah, up. the butt comes up. Yeah. But no, I think I have it here. It says, "Fuck you, kitty. You're going to spend the night outside." That's probably it. Yeah. Oh, okay. The f word. Yeah. Well, Jim, that was a very enlightening. Um, Thank you. And uh, you know, we all love like. On I pre- try my best to mm-hmm. read notes mm-hmm. on President's Day, uh, <laughs> which is in February. So next year. Fellow listeners, think of the presidents of yeah, the United remember, States remember of that. America. Mm-hmm. 
the presidents of the United States of America. It's a long, that's a long time. Or maybe uh, when the, we don't get into politics, but when the presidential debates start, turn the, I'd say mute the TV mm-hmm. and just put them on and see what see, I think. See yeah. what happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, during the debates. Is that what you're saying? I yeah, admit, during yeah. the debates. Okay. Maybe you can put the uh, the uh, closed captioning so you can but put, put put the presidents on. Yeah. You don't need to listen to the voices. No. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so, they might be giants. I'm going to discuss they might be giants. John and John. How could you, you know, it's not the 80s without they might be giants. Yeah. Uh, they, John and John got together and were performing uh since 1982. And they started out as a, du- a duo, just the two of them, with a drum machine. They have a unique style that is, quote, surreal, humorous lyrics, experimental styles, and unconventional instruments, mm-hmm. end quote. They got into a, a time of children's music as well. I hope to discuss that a little mm-hmm. bit. And theme music. They have 23 studio albums. The wow. Pre- the, the presidents had, you said 25, I think. No. They had like... What? What was it, 25? They had like seven or nine. What was the 25? I, I'm not remembering. No, in, in like 19 years, they had like seven albums. Okay, I missed yeah. something there. Sorry. If you're like us and you love They Might Be Giants, you remember some of the classic early albums. And that's what we're going to focus on mm-hmm. more. Not so much the... Uh, the later times in the 2000s and such. Their first album, 1986, was They Might Be Giants, self-titled. Then came Lincoln in 1988. Then Flood in 1990. Then Apollo 18 in 1992. And then the one I loved while I was in college, and that's John Henry in 1994. John Henry is kind of, kind of the uh, pop album by U2. I love it. And most people don't. So that's, uh, you know, it's, it's full, it's rich. I think that might have been when I stopped listening mm-hmm. to them. When yeah. Apollo or John Henry. John Henry was 19... 19- because I... Uh, what year? 1994. Okay. Because I have certain periods of time, like you probably do. Mm-hmm. You know, I started out, like I always said in my um, Bee Gees, Barry Manilow, air supply phase. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was that sixth grade? When the heck was that? Was that before Kiss? <laughs> that was when I was like 10. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I even had a Barry Manilow live album that there was a song of him doing jingles. Oh, Mandy. Like Dr. Pe- Do you know he did a song? Without okay, we're getting off topic, but he did a song for Dr. Pepper and he did... I don't think I know about that. Yeah. So anyway, and then then I was into the 87, 88, into the early 90s, Mm -hmm. New Wave, like Depeche Mode. Yeah, yeah. They Might Be Giants, stuff like that. Wait, 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 wait. You're you're skipping over the whole rock and roll Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, Rock and roll came came after. Yeah. Up until the... And then, then grunge. Mm-hmm. Totally into Nirvana, like I wow. mentioned, Stone Temple Pilots. That's the part I skipped over. So this is when John Henry came yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so Jim, when you first listened to music, it was uh, Thomas Edison's uh, cylinder, right? With a little he dots on it? He was talking to his mother. <laughs> mother, can you hear me? Mary had a little lamb, damn it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, back to They Might Be Giants. Flansburg and Linnell. Okay. Is it Linnell or Linnell? Yeah. Linnell. Linnell. Yeah. So Flansburg and Linnell, the two Johns. You know, Jim, I wonder, did they get nicknames? Come on. Like, what if you and I, friends from birth, mm-hmm. doing a podcast, what, what if we were in a band together for 50 years 
and we had the same name, Jim. I mean, come on, seriously. Mm-hmm. You'd well, have to have a nickname. I- I'm wondering if these guys have nicknames. Well, one was tall and skinny, and the other guy was... Oh, he's yeah. probably our height, I'd say short. But... Yo, tall guy, get yeah. over here. Yeah. sound check. You know, what, what's it going to be like, you know? So so I'm just always you know, wondering maybe, if... Maybe um, Laurel and Hardy, <laughs> Abbott and Costello. That's good, right? that's good. Spade uh, and... Uh... Farley, Spade and Farley. Yeah. No, I like right. that. I'm okay. seeing. Look at yeah. look at the photo right there. I'm looking yeah. at a photo, mm-hmm. and uh, there's definitely a Spade and Farley right there. Yeah, yeah. This is a photo from 2020. That's not long ago. I had a really cool They Might Be Giants poster. Mm-hmm. It it wasn't. It was probably like uh, 12 by 18. Mm-hmm. It wasn't big, but it was a cool like photo. Of both of them. I think I had it over my door, and I've tried to find that poster. You think you can find anything now, but anyway. Oh, oh not, I don't, and I'm not, thinking not, not in your house you're trying to find it. No. Like, I'm no. trying to find it, like, in my basement. That's not what you're talking about. I don't even know where I got it. Uh, it either came in, in one of the albums, or I used to go to record stores a lot, and they'd sell, you know, posters and stuff yeah. like that. So. Do you know what I have in my garage? It's the, uh, the hand, the big foam oh, yeah. hand you gave me. They might be giant's hand. I might I, have that somewhere. Well, I have it. Did you have an extra one you gave it to me? Maybe. Because I have it. Yeah. In my garage. (laughs) So. That's where my hand is. (laughs) (laughs) That's not not my pillow. That's not a pillow. That's my hand. (laughs) They Might Be Giants comes, the, the, the name comes from a 1971 film called they might be giants starring George C. Scott and Joanne Woodward. Mm-hmm. So it's taken, uh, uh, in turn, is taken from a Don Quixote passage about how Quixote mistook windmills for a giant. Giants. I'm pretty sure I have that poster for that movie. No way, really. It's, it's one of those long posters. Yeah, yeah, called really. Australian Day Bill. Long as in up and down or horizontal? Up and down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's unusual. We're going to have to put that in this room. Yeah. <clears throat> It'll fit. Yeah. It's got, it wouldn't go right behind us here. Oh, we'll go alongside the, uh, the backdrop. Uh, <laughs> back to They Might Be Giants. So, uh, Flansburg is on guitar and Linnell on accordion and saxophone while being accompanied by a drum machine. Now, so the drum machine, you know, left, uh, got put aside, got some dust after they got a band and they were uh, doing more and more things. You know, it's so hard to find a, a favorite album. Flood, uh, yellow cover, right? Yeah, there's, a, there's a people in a little boat, and it's in a flood, mm-hmm. and they're rescuing, getting rescued or rescuing yeah, themselves. Yeah, the cassette. Yeah, I think I had the cassette, too. So you went on from the cylinder to reel to reel to vinyl to cassette. Yeah, you're moving right along. I have, the, I have the insert for the cassette signed by one of them. Very cool, very cool. It was John, I want to say Flansburg. When they were at City Gardens. Yeah. So speaking of, uh, you know, quirky, weirdy, uh, birdhouse in your soul. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you write that? How can you even come up with uh, make a little birdhouse in your soul? Yeah. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet. <laughs> I mean, you got to love that. Mm-hmm. You have to love that. If I'm feeling down, I put that on and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm your only friend. I'm not your only friend, but I'm a little glowing friend. But really... I'm not actually your friend. <laughs> it's, uh, that's pretty amazing stuff. Do you have favorite songs? Yeah, uh, I, I don't have them listed, but... One of my favorites is Particle Man. Oh, yes. 
Particle man. Particle man, particle man. It'd be talking about someone who's very small. Mm-hmm. He's only the size of a particle. Yeah. Yeah. While you're looking that up, I palindrome I. I is a palindrome. Mm-hmm. You can say it either way and it comes out I. Yeah, Istanbul, not Constantinople. Yeah, that's right. a that's a great song too. It's very historical. It's yeah. a little education for the peoples. Yeah, this is a band. If, excuse the motor. I'm on a motorbike now. No, I'm just kidding. If there's one band out of the, I'd say out of the three we're going to talk about today, at least listen to They Might Be Giants. You must. Because they, it will make you smile. You're having a bad day. Like Mike was saying, they'll pick you up. Don't let's start. Oh, yes, of course. And there's some serious song, like Your Racist Friend. That is an excellent one to discuss. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's just talk about that. Out of nowhere... They come up with your racist friend, and it is simply a narrative of going to a party, trying to have a good time, and your friend who is hosting the party has a racist friend, and and they have to just listen to the BS, and it's, it's really ruining the evening. That's pretty much what it is. It starts out, this is where the party ends. I can't stand here listening to you, you and your racist friend. I know politics bore you. But I feel like a hypocrite talking to you and your racist friend. Wow, that is, that, you yeah. know, that's so contemporary. It's so useful today. Yeah. Racism. Yeah. Uh, twisting. Twisting by the pool. Oh, yeah. yeah twisting, that's like twisting. a 50s yeah, kind of yeah. feel. Yeah, they just come up with this twisting. Whistling in the dark. Uh, Man, I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was another thing. Uh, <laughs> they would have these songs that were like, 30 20 seconds yeah minimum, minimum wage is probably in. yeah just some guy saying minimum wage and, yeah. a, and a whip yeah yeah so um lucky ball and chain i lost my uh, lucky ball and chain about getting four married years. yeah right? he's five feet tall and sick of me and all my rambling on <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting i'm married to a five foot tall woman so mm-hmm. that, that works yeah. uh, let's look at some other things uh, they might be giant did after, uh, you remember, Jim, after uh, John Henry, that was Factory Showroom, 1996. And then it got into some times where I really wasn't listening too much. Long Tall Weekend, Mink Car. These mm-hmm. are all albums. Okay. The Spine, The Else. Wow, that's really stretching. Yeah. The Else. Yeah. Like the something else. <laughs> and they had a time of doing uh, children's music. I have uh, one of the first ones here right in front of me. It's Why Does the Sun Shine? It's not something I'm listening to, Jim. It's not on my, uh, one of my uh, current um, lists. But uh, if you can ever find Why Does the Sun Shine, I showed you this earlier. It's, uh, it's a little rarity. It has the Allman Brothers, Jessica, uh-huh. and it's got two other greats. This is an EP. It's got two other songs, Whirlpool and Spy, and they're just excellent songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't say enough how excellent yeah. they are. In fact, I don't listen to the title track, Why Does the Sun Shine? Well, they had one on the ABCs. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's one, the more popular one. And one on Numbers, I think. Mm-hmm. They were playing at this outdoor festival. In Jersey, I'm sure. Yeah, it was something like Apple Valley. I remember it's like 90 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. There was no shade. Wow. They ran out of like Gatorade, Powerade, mm. stuff like that. Mm. But uh, they had, I want to say it was just two stages. So my, we brought my son. He was probably like 
six, five maybe. And my wife and I went, or my wife and my son went to see They Might Be Giants on the one stage. Mm -hmm. And I went over to see Suzanne Vega. Yeah. She was there. And the Smithereens played. Mm -hmm. It was a, it's a great band uh, to take your kids to see. Uh, Nothing offensive. And, you know, I think at the time they were doing the children's songs too. I don't know if they still do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think they had a deal with Disney even. Like didn't big, know that. Wow. Deal. That's amazing. I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your wife just told me a story. Okay. Yeah. And it's about Dial a Song. Mm-hmm. They might be giants. Based in New York, based in the Bronx, mm-hmm. they had where you could call up on your phone. This is before the internet and before cell phones. So you're looking for some connection with your band, right? So they had Dial a Song and you would call in to the number and hear a song. Yeah. Hear a song from John and John. Every day. I don't know if, I guess there were new songs or just. They couldn't have been long songs. Yeah, it could have been old, uh, not old, but you know, it could have been new or songs that they already had. I'm on my bike again, sorry. If you hear a motorcycle in the background. (laughs) Yeah. So your wife told me that she would call up. She called up every day for a while. Yeah. You know, as a teenager, right? Probably 15. Back before cell phones, back when it was a long distance call. To the Bronx. New Jersey. To the Bronx. Yeah, to the Bronx. Yeah. She called every day for a while. So after the phone bill, this is when we used to get phone bills and look at itemized phone bills, Mm -hmm. like calls itemized. I mean, the police do that now if there's a Mm -hmm. murder or something, but, you know, we don't do that anymore. And her dad freaked out, right? Her dad said, what the hell are you calling? Who's calling the Bronx? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cost me, Yeah, I don't know how much money, right? Probably 30 bucks or something. Yeah, and she must have been... She was probably 16, 17. Okay, yeah. So yeah, dial a song that is um, that was their songs put onto an answering machine. So it's, you know, this is not mm-hmm. high tech. It's not high fidelity, uh, really. But it would be on an answering machine, and you could hear. But you know, Jim, back in these days before the internet, unless you went and got lucky somehow and ran into the people who were performing, you didn't get to you didn't get to see them. You need to you know mm-hmm. really hear from them. It wasn't like in this this you know it was something special to do dial yeah. a song. And be the one yeah. who's on live, you know, and hearing it. Now, me being an autograph collector yes. since I was like 12, even back then, I always tried to meet the people. Mm-hmm. And I did meet, this is the thing. Mike was at this show. I don't know if he remembers. But John Linnell, the taller guy, mm-hmm. when he came off the stage, we saw him at City Gardens. There was no backstage area. The band had to actually come through the crowd yeah, or yeah. wait. I guess, wait until everybody dispersed. And John Linnell looks at me and gives me the most dirtiest, like, look. I don't know why. Wow. You know, you say, you never should meet your heroes. You should never meet people that you really like because they may... Spoil all the fun. Yeah. 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 It might have just yeah. been a John and John thing. But, uh, you yeah. know, I, we talked about this a, a couple years ago. That was the loudest concert mm-hmm. I was ever at. <laughs> it was in a small area. Picture mm-hmm. like a... You know, a small gymnasium at like a middle school. Yeah. Much smaller than that, actually, wasn't it? There was well, the, bleachers. It was crazy small. Well, the area that we were in, because there was a bar behind it, the area we were in, I would say, would be half the size of our high school gymnasium. Yeah, it was small. It yeah. was it was bleachers. It was packed. And guess what? We didn't have we didn't have earplugs. I was no. I was shoving a tissue in my ear yeah. while while <laughs> loving well I did while loving the song. And they did Stump the Band. Stump the Band is where they might be giants in the early nineties would look for uh 
uh, songs that are not theirs for people to call out. And someone said, Sweet Emotion. Sweet Emotion mm-hmm. yeah. by Aerosmith. And I believe it was that song played on the accordion. Yeah. It was so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet Emotion on the accordion and uh, accordion lead. But I don't know if they, I, they played at City Gardens, which was in Trenton, New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times. My wife uh, went there all the time because I don't think it was too far from where she lived. Mm-hmm. Parents didn't like her going there because it was Trenton. But there's a little fact. They had a van mm-hmm. and on the side of it, it said, and I've seen, I saw it. They might be incorporated. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. So if you had seen that van driving around, it was, they might be giant. Two Johns driving the van. Yeah. They might be incorporated. So my wife was good friends with the owner in that he had to be somewhere. I don't know what was going on. And he gave my wife the keys to lock up. City Gardens. Yeah. When They Might Be Giants were there. <laughs> and, so, hey, be the last out. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife was a little bit angry because her car was parked at the other end of the parking lot. It was not a nice, not great town area. And they just kind of walked out and went to their van. And my mm-hmm. wife had to walk in the dark. I don't know what she was expecting. Mm-hmm. But she, she kind of knew, also knew the guys. So, she should have got a ride. Maybe <clears throat> she should have asked, I need a ride. Yeah. yeah. But she hung out with them. She... I wouldn't say she was good friends, but whenever they came there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Jim, the band also contributed to 14 original songs for the Dunkin' Donuts ad campaign. How Four- many? 14. Really? Yeah. In 2006, America Runs on Dunkin', hmm. uh, Things I Like to Do, Pleather. I don't know what these are. These are like <laughs> pleather. Tied- pleather. <laughs> these are- <laughs> that doesn't make me think of it. Um, no. In 2008, Moving is is a, a song that was played so so yeah dunkin donuts you know it reminds me of the you know i don't know what album it was i remember it being like track 13 and you let me borrow the cd mm-hmm. and on that track the track is simply their personal excuse me their uh they might be giants voicemail and it's this man and woman calling oh, yeah. in uh-huh. and they don't know where they're calling what they're doing it must an old, wrong... older couple yeah it sounds like. yeah and she's talking and uh, and her husband's in the background. You know, you just picture mm-hmm. him on the couch or a yeah. recliner. And she's saying, they're, they're saying uh, there may be giants, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it is so funny. So mm-hmm. on one of the albums, uh, I don't know what's titled, but mm-hmm. uh, it is the, the voicemail. Yeah. Let me just finish up with They Might Be Giants. My fi- one of my favorite albums. It's her fifth studio album. And it was on American Alternative Rock Charts, uh, 1994. It's the first full album to include a full band arrangement rather than synthesized uh, parts and program backing tracks and stuff. Mm-hmm. So full band. You know, maybe that's why I like it. Maybe that comes through. It's, uh, it's based on the fabled uh, John Henry. But some of the tracks uh, are just fabulous. Uh, dirt Bike, mm-hmm. uh, Beware of the Dirt Bike. Starts off, though, with uh, Subliminal. Great tune. Snail Shell, and that's about someone who's shy. An unrelated thing. I should be allowed to think. I'm going to have to... Go yeah. back and listen to that. A little French, extra savoir-faire. <laughs> I don't think that in English we have a word for savoir-faire. Pepe Le Pew would say, Ce savoir-faire, she is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. So uh, it's, uh, let's see, savoir-faire. It would be when, oh, I can't think of what, uh, what our children's culture would say. Maybe a feeling of love? No, or, no, uh, no. Uh-huh. 
when like, you're strutting and you're hot and oh, you know okay. it. Strutting. <laughs> Someone wrote a song about that. Yeah, yeah, strutting. There's another word for Back that. Strut. Uh. Do. <laughs> yeah. Savoir faire. So he asked, you know, uh, what am I to do with all this extra savoir faire? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they might be giants. You know, um, I know some people don't like the cover because you have uh, an 11-year-old girl with a pickaxe. And uh, she doesn't look very happy. I think uh, I might have had that, I don't, yeah. but I don't re- yeah. remember now. But you know how you get into certain albums. You know how yeah. you get into oh, certain yeah. discs. Yeah. And you call it your own. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, did, I did just that. Yeah. So uh, they might be giants. If you don't know them, check them out. They did so well for the late 80s and early 90s. So my, band, my last band here is a band called Sparks. Sparks. And that's one I do not know very well. Now, I don't know if... Most people know this band. Uh, recently, they, there was a documentary that came out uh, probably last year, year before. Uh, if you happen to see it, you might have you actually thought it was a made-up band, you yeah. know, like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. It's a duo, a rock duo, pop and rock, formed by brothers Ron, he's on keyboards, and Russell, male. M-A-E-L, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. They're noted for their quirky approach to songwriting, uh, but their music is often accompanied by sophisticated and forthright lyrics, often about women, sometimes containing literary or cinematic references, and with a theatrical stage presence. Mm-hmm. And not everybody does that, the theatrical stage, stage presence. Yeah. You know, I mean, some people just you know, stand there and play, mm-hmm. like most people. Now, Russell, this is from Wikipedia, has an extraordinary falsetto and luxurious curls. Curls? <laughs> yeah. Hair. Curl. He has the full rock star look. But on the keyboards, there is his older brother, Ron. Now, I kind of compare this to like Cheap Trick in the early days. There were four members, of course, mm-hmm. of Cheap Trick, where you had... <laughs> <laughs> hey, kids, get off of my lawn! Got a lot of... You probably don't hear the noises, but we do. Yeah. We got. We usually don't have the window open, but yeah. you know, it, it's like a sauna in here for some reason today. <laughs> we should turn the heat down. We have it cranked up to ninety-five, just just for the yeah, feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cheap Trick had uh, Robin Zander and Tom Peterson. They were back in the seventies, eighties. Uh, they were like the pretty boys, mm-hmm. you know. In fact, on one album, uh, they're on the front. Uh, they're on motorcycles. And Rick Nielsen and Bunny Carlos are on the back on scooters. Like them, Sparks, the one brother, is the rock star kind of look. The other brother, Ron, the not-so-good-looking one. That's hard. That's harsh. Yeah. He's described as looking like your fifth-grade math teacher or biology teacher. (laughs) He's described as having a chilling demonic stare and a Charlie Chaplin mustache. Hmm. Some people will claim it's someone else's mustache mm-hmm. uh, which he still has you know that type of mustache actually that was from not, that was from an article um, in 2017 from the independent that's not that long ago yeah hmm. so this is from the independent uh, Ron says I say Charlie Chaplin mustache Ron tells the author that he was an avid fan of silent films and thought of it as either Charlie Chaplin or Oliver Hardy and it says, alas, not everyone saw it that way. A French TV station thought it as a Hitler mustache Ooh. and actually banned the band. 
said, yes, it did have some unfortunate byproducts along the way. So I rethought my facial hair direction. I changed the mustache a bit and it morphed into different things. That's what he says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got a photo of it, it might here. show me. Yeah, it's, it's off the internet and it's, uh, it's a little scary, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, let's, let's see what it's like. So they grew up in uh, Pacific Palisades in West Los Angeles, California, and much of their inspiration came from their father taking them to the cinema as children. Hmm. They developed an interest in film, visual arts, and narrative. Father was a graphic designer and caricaturist for the Hollywood Citizen News. So it sounds like the father had a great creative side to him, maybe a fun side. Mm -hmm. They both attended UCLA. Uh, Ron studied cinema, graphic arts, Russell theater arts and filmmaking. They detested the folk music scene. Wow. They considered cerebral and sedate. And he said, we had no time for that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned the, the folk movement. Uh, it looks like they might have started all their musical things back in 1971. I mean, that's, that's, that's a while ago Mm -hmm. for, for a band that, you know, keeps going. So, so the folk, the folk scene, they would, Mm. they detested the folk scene. They actually started in 1968. Yeah. As a band called Half Nelson. Of course, named after the wrestling hold. Yeah. And they soon came to the attention of producer Todd Rundgren. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, In 1972, they became known as Sparks, and it was a play on the Marx Brothers. Sparks Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. They actually relocated to England in 73 with a new manager, and they had a deal with Island Records. They soon placed an ad in Music Weekly, Melody Maker, and that they wanted a bass player for Sparks. Must be beard-free and exciting. Beard-free and exciting. Yeah. Well, exciting. I, I don't know that, you know... Responding to that ad and and asking that by two men that you need to be exciting it, <laughs> yeah, that uh, could encompass yeah Jim Jim I've got a I've got a later photo of him and um, tell me who I'm not going to mention it tell me who you think that looks like <laughs> my God it's, it's it looks like Salvador Dali oh yeah Salvador yeah. Dali yeah yeah my God look at it it's yeah. crazy <laughs> so they hired bass player Martin Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian Fisher on guitar, Norman Dinky Diamond on drums. Yeah. <laughs> and they recorded their breakthrough, Kimono My House. In Kimono ni- My House. Yes. Yeah. In 1974, they had a number two UK hit with the single, This Town Ain't Big Enough for Both of Us. I had no idea. Yeah. UK number two. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look Right it off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, They returned home in 1976 to Los Angeles. Uh, They were concerned their music may have become stale already, I guess. Oh, wow. I don't know how it could. And they adopted a more American sound. In the same year, they got into the movie business, making a cameo appearance in the disaster suspense film Roller Coaster. And it says, after Kiss turned down the roles. (laughs) No way. Yeah. Kiss turned down being in the movie Roller Coaster. That might have been after their Phantom of the Park, mm-hmm. where that was at an amusement park. So yeah. like, hey, we got to get Kiss. Yeah. You know, roller I can coaster. see that happening. Yeah. 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 In 1980, Paul McCartney. Did you see Paul? No, Paul. We're, we're fine. Yes, please. Jim's talking. He gave a nod to the band in, in the music video for Coming Up, in which he appeared mimicking Ron Mayo on keyboards. Kind of look for yeah, it. With the mustache and everything. Yeah, yeah. Now, the song I Predict 
was the, their first appearance on the Billboard 100, and it reached number 60. That was May 1982. 1983, I remembered it. this song. This may be the first time I heard of Sparks. Yeah, prob- I didn't, probably likely me as didn't, well. Didn't know, but with this song I'm going to mention, mm-hmm. didn't know it was Sparks. Maybe didn't know who it was. It was, it was a song called Cool Places, and it was with the Go-Go's rhythm guitarist and vocalist Jane Weedlin. Because I liked the Go-Go's yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably like, okay, you know, she's singing with some other guy. I don't, you know. And that was their second single to be on the Billboard. I do know that song. It's one of the few songs that I know by Sparks. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cool Places. I want to go Cool Places with you. Yeah. Now, moving on to 2002, the band switched to a classically influenced art pop style with the release of their album, Little Beethoven. They replaced the beat-driven synth pop of their previous albums with complex orchestral arrangements Mm -hmm. and the band acknowledged this change in style on the album's opening track the rhythm thief this is amazing to me is may the months of may and june 2008 Mm -hmm. they did a 21 night spark spectacular in london 21 nights in a row where they played each of their albums in chronological order During the first 20 nights, on the 21st night, they premiered their new album. Wow. That's that's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot to do. I mean, how many songs? It's going to be over 200. Yeah. And fans who bought a golden ticket, referring to, of course, Willy Wonka, allowed entry into all 21 gigs. Cool. Uh, They also received a poster signed by the band and a CD single, which was entitled... Islington N1, and it was a reference to the postal address of the venue for the first 20 gigs. And 2014 was 40th anniversary of Kimono My House. Uh, The landmark was celebrated with a performance of the album in its entirety, and uh, that was in London, uh, December 19th and 20th. And they had a 35-piece orchestra with them. Here's someone we mentioned before who mentions that Kimono My House as one of the records that changed her life, and it's Bjork. She said, Sparks were exotic. They were the most refreshing thing in my life when she was eight. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way Russell Mail sung like a geisha, mm-hmm. and that they were into wearing geisha clothes, as I was really into Japanese people. Yeah, yeah. They were wearing, you know, geisha dresses mm-hmm. uh on the album so I'm, I'm wondering how she got the video and what she was watching at the time mm-hmm. uh you know at age eight up there how did she see that because you know we didn't get to see that yeah so uh very interesting and like i mentioned before they have a new album coming out mm-hmm. what i say it was they're 26 something like that so many well their 24th was in 2020 yeah so it has to be like 26 so here are some songs that these are my picks that you should give a listen to. Mm-hmm. First one is Lighten Up Marcy. We got a lot of, um, you know, connections in this podcast, the different yeah. things. Yeah. So the man in the song meets a girl who has high expectations and compares all men to Marcy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, here's some lyrics. Yeah, I originally thought you said Marcy as an M-A-R-C-Y, like Marcy, Marcy Playground. No, Marcy, Marcy, the singer. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Like, not Marcy. Yeah. So here's uh, a lyric. I got comparisons coming out my ears, and she never can hit the pause 
If only Morrissey weren't so Morrissey-esque, she might overlook all my flaws. Morrissey also named Kimono My House as one of his favorite LPs of all time. Hmm. Next song is Balls. Okay. Simply Balls. Yeah, I could probably see where that's going, yeah. About having the balls to do certain things. Uh, Cajones, the kimonos. Yeah. I mean, cajones. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next song is Dick Around. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I love this song. Uh, it's about just having stuff to do and, you know, you just hesitate. I mean, it's my favorite thing to do is to Dick not, not try not to do anything, mm-hmm. even when I have stuff to do. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have stuff to do and you just don't feel like doing it. Yeah. Uh, and then Mickey Mouse, that might be one of the first songs I've heard. Uh, again, our friend Al, mm-hmm. I know he was in the Sparks. This is off the album Angst in My Pants. Mm-hmm. They have some great titles. Yeah, yeah. I, want to, I want to say angst in my pangst. I always yeah. want to say that, make it yeah. rhyme, but yeah. it doesn't. Album cover, uh, Russell is in a suit and Ron is wearing a wedding dress. Yes, yeah. yes. There's another album cover, I don't know the title of the album, but they're in a speedboat and they're, they're gagged and like their hands are tied. They're kidnapped, they're in the yeah. Back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in a speedboat, yeah, out of here. So it's probably the whole cinematic movie kind of creating an illusion of something. Mm-hmm. So that was my second and last band. Yeah, so uh, we've got Sparks, They Might Be Giants. And Presidents and of the United States. Of America. Pre- the Presidents yeah. of the United States of America. I like to say mm-hmm. the full name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a great time spending uh, the time with you, the listeners, mm-hmm. and we thank you for your time. Yeah, and Mike will be... Like I've said before, Mike will be back uh, probably in a couple months or so. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Jeremy's going to be back. Gave him the month off. But we thank you for listening. And again, if you want to email us, uh, if you're in a band, you have a song, album from the last year or two, you want to send us a file of your song, a link, listen mm-hmm. to it. Maybe we'll talk about you. Yeah. And it's No Good Music Podcast at gmail.com yeah we'd love to talk about you yeah and don't miss all the great interviews that we have done in recent years in recent months yeah good stuff yeah i think we've done over 40 some interviews Mm -hmm. so thanks for listening and uh you'll hear us later yeah right you've been listening to no good music Intro and exit music by the band 99%. Today's show was produced and edited by Jim Thatcher and recorded at the Did You Say 7 Studios in Washington, New Jersey. You can find No Good Music on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, and almost anywhere you listen to podcasts. Jim, he's Mike. No, I'm kidding.